I want to clearly um, uh, explain what this text is saying. And I want to persuade people to give their life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to go home and do what it is that the author was seeking for us to do by writing that text. Hi, and welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 46. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and today I have a co-host. Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. Yeah, thanks. That's my daughter, Rosie. Um, So, you're in for a treat, because uh, this episode is kind of two in one, really, because it starts off with uh, Pastor Nate Gallagher from Calvary Chapel Vero Beach in Florida, um, giving um, a very concise, a very useful, a very practical talk um, on the sermon preparation essentials. Uh, he talks about the tools that should be in a preacher's tools, toolbox as we assemble and collect and prepare um, expositional Bible um, preaching and teaching. And so that's um, useful, concise, and kind of short. And then afterwards, immediately afterwards, uh, Pete Nelson moderates this Q&A panel um, with Pilgrim Benham, with uh, Nick Cady, and with Cody King. And so we have some kind of digging deeper into the topics and then taking some questions from the audience. So episode 46 is going to be a good one. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Um, But before we get there, uh, let me just like officially announce that our website, expositorscollective.com, has been updated to invite you to our next Expositors Collective training weekend. And this one's going to be in um, Howell, New Jersey, beautiful Howell, New Jersey, um, hosted by Cornerstone Calvary Chapel, and it's going to be September 20th and 21st. And so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, We've been talking with the leadership there for quite a while, and then now that everything's confirmed, can finally point you towards our website and invite you to register for our upcoming training weekend in Howell, New Jersey, hosted by Cornerstone Calvary Chapel. And so If you're familiar with what we do um, at our weekends, um, some of which you're going to hear a recording of right now, um, but more than just panels and lectures, I think one of the most important aspects of what we do is we have a a group mentorship um, orientation as we do these events. So you'll be paired with an experienced practitioner at the beginning, and then from there, you're going to learn together um, with a group. Um, while being guided by somebody with a bit more experience in the art of teaching and preaching expositional sermons. So head on over to our website, expositorscollective.com, and it has more details about what you can expect at our next training weekend, September 20th and 21st in Howell, New Jersey. Okay, so with no further ado, here's episode 46. Um, it's, uh, I've been, uh, in the ministry for a number of years now, and I, I think, wow, this would have been awesome to, uh, have this in the early years to get started and kind of get some instructions. So I, I think it's been a blessing. 
Um, I want to jump right into the subject that uh, I've been given, and that is essentials to sermon prep. And, um, uh, you know, the word essential means things you can't live without. So as I was processing this, it's like, what, what are the things that we can't live without? And I've got 15 minutes to tell you about it. So, um, so I kind of dividing this up into, into three things, three thoughts. Um, number one is what I would call our objective. The, the essential, essential to sermon prep is to understand what your objective is. You, you have to know what it is that you're desiring to do as you approach the scripture in order to do it. And I think um, that our objective, uh, at least for, for this setting, I, I would say three things regarding the objective as you're looking at the text. Number one, our objective is to see people come to Christ. That's part of what we're doing. We want to, we've been commissioned by Jesus to go into the world and invite people into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So part of my objective. objective. Number two, I would say that um, the, well, let me, let me rephrase this. Our objective number one, I would say, is to instruct the people from what the text is saying. So I'm going to back up one. The first objective, instruct the people of what the text is saying. Objective number two would be to persuade people. And the persuasive part is to persuade someone to come to Christ, someone to commit to Christ, and then also persuade someone to put into application in their life the things that are presented from the text. Okay, so, so instruct them on what the text is. That's my goal. Persuade them to come to Jesus, commit to Jesus, and live out the things that that passage of Scripture is teaching. And then I would say the, the third objective, and David... Um, touched on this, is, is the idea to also develop biblically literate people. And the way we approach the, the study of and the communication of Scripture will help to develop biblically literate people. Um, I, uh, I've only ever been part of two churches my whole life. Um, I got saved uh, having never been to church. And uh, I was part of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for 12 years. I was on staff for nine. Uh, they let me teach the Bible to the teenagers for eight. And um, then I've been for the past 20 years part of Calvary Chapel Bureau Beach. And until recent times, the only Bible college I'd ever been to is ones that I'd been invited to speak at. Of course, I didn't tell anybody that. Um, but uh, but I, I never sat through an inductive Bible study course until I taught inductive Bible study courses. And, and however, I sat in an environment where the Bible was presented in a way where it was, it was very easy to learn. Um, uh, Pastor Chuck, uh, Richard Semino, other pastors on the staff there, they presented the Word of God very clearly. That it, was, it was, here's the text, and here's what the text means. And as a result, I was able to to learn the Bible in a way that I could learn the Bible. And there wasn't, I wasn't looking for hidden secret codes in the Bible. I was just letting the Bible speak for itself. And when I understood the Bible, then I could communicate the Bible. And so I think that, that an essential to sermon preparation is the idea that my goal is to, uh, is to communicate the Bible in a way that helps people not only understand what I'm saying to them in the moment, but it also helps them to be able to go later and read the Bible on their own and understand it. So that's, that's my goal. So as I, 
as I sit down, I'm in my whatever my location is to prepare a message. When I sit down, I'm thinking I want to clearly um, uh, explain what this text is saying. And I want to persuade people to give their life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to go home and do what it is that the author was seeking for us to do by writing that text. And I want to present it in a way so that when on, on Tuesday, when someone's sitting in their devotion chair and they're reading a passage that is, that is not the text that I taught them on Sunday morning, they're reading a passage of scripture that they're able to, to understand that passage because of the way they've been taught the passage. So that's, that's my goal. The second thing I'd say as, as an essential is not only do we need to have an objective, but we need to have an approach that's going to get us to that objective. So my approach is to, when I take a passage of scripture, um, let me back up. There are, uh, there are a lot of different um, applications that you have to teach. Uh, in some cases, you may be asked to teach a topical message on a specific subject. And so if, if you've, got a, you've got a topical message on a specific subject, your approach is going to be different than if you, are, if you are working your way through a narrative text. So what I'm going to talk about is something that is just because of the limited time. I'm going to talk about when we are approaching a, 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 a pure exposition of a text. So I'm not talking about, hey, somebody wants you to come and speak on, this, on the subject of peace. Okay, I'm talking about you've got a passage of scripture that's in front of you. What is the approach? And I would say the first thing that I do in looking at the text is I want to determine what is the main subject of this text? What's the main thought of the text? What, what, what is it that the, the big thing that the author is trying to say? One of the things that can happen with us as we study the scriptures is we can get distracted by words. And rather than letting those words develop a key thought. Um, and this is, this is not an indictment on anyone. It's not a criticism of something. I mean, it's just an observation. Recently, I heard someone who, who their, sort of their tradition has not been expository teaching. Um, but they made reference to the fact that of late, they have been approaching teaching in an expository manner. And they made this statement. They said, we are going through 1 Thessalonians. And they said, we have been in 1 Thessalonians now for a year, and we're at verse 13. If you have taught 52 Bible studies, and it's only got you through the first 12 verses of 1 Thessalonians, you're not expositing 1 Thessalonians. You're using the words to teach topical messages. Now, again, that's not an, an indictment. It's not even a criticism. It's just an observation. If we're going to exposit scripture, we've got to look for what is the main theme. And then the main theme will actually develop for you the amount of text that you're going to cover. You, you're kind of reading through this. You go, hey, you know, I think the author's kind of transitioned his thought right here. And this is a, for me to give my, my 50 pounds of weight in 30 pounds, as we heard earlier, um, for me to do that in the time that I have, I'm going to have to stop at his main thought here, and we'll pick up with that the next time. So, so I'm looking at a text, and I'm saying, what is the main thing that he's saying? 
that that's going to take a lot of reading of the text. It's going to take looking at it over and over again and not getting distracted by by just this word that he uses to develop this thought, but what is that main thought? Now, there are things that you can do to aid that. Um, there are, are helpful things that you can do, and that is where we bring in now what we've, we've referred to earlier as supplementary reading. So we have the text itself, we're reading through it, I'm trying to catch what it is that the author's saying, I'm getting as much as I can, I think this is his main thing, now I'm going to use some supplementary things. And there are, my, for me personally, my, my first go-to for supplementary things is always something that's linguistic, something that's going to help me with original language. That's the first thing, that's the first place that I always go because I think, I think I might be missing something because I speak Southern California American and, and the text was written in Greek. So I, I, I might be able to find something about this text that I'm missing by accessing that. Now there's a lot of really simple tools that, that can help you understand the text. Now, my wife, uh, she prefers the Blue Letter Bible that allows you to access original language. It's a very easy tool. You can download the app. That's easy. Personally, I use something called Olive Tree. Olive Tree is an app. Uh, I download them onto my iPad. And what I've done is I've purchased the, the Strong's Concordance that's embedded in the version that I read. And then I've also purchased something that's called BDAG. And that is... That is a, um, it's, it's sort of the, the smaller version of the exhaustive resource on, on, origi- on Greek language, or actually on original language. And so what it does is, is I'm able, it's really simple. I click the word, and the, the Greek comes up, and I click the, it shows me the Strong's definition, and then I, I click to, to study it further, and it takes me to this resource, and this resource will give me how the word was used in the, in Greek writing, how the word uh, was used um, in, uh, in the Septuagint, how the word was used by New Testament authors, and how the word was used by the early church fathers as they wrote. So it's kind of an exhaustive thing. And so, so I'll take that, and, and that's going to help me unlock. So I'm, that resource is going to kind of help me dig in. Another thing that's, that's useful, the kind of the second thing I'm going to go to, is I'm going to look at at any resources that are going to give me geography, history, or culture, and and commentaries seem to are tend to be thematic, and so there'll be commentary commentaries that that are more than historical commentary. That's going to give me some background. Now, in a lot of cases, like if you're teaching through an epistle, you can get your all your historical stuff, geographical stuff, cultural stuff in your front end as you're preparing for the, for the whole book. And, and that's going to carry through, like all six chapters of, of Ephesians is going to carry through that. Let me, let me um, give just a, a quick, simple resource if it's helpful. Um, at our church, we did a survey through the whole Bible. So we took each book of the Bible and looked at it in an individual setting. So there's 66 lessons. It gives each book of the Bible big picture gives you the background of the book, the author of the book. We tried to approach it looking at what is unique about this book. Why is this book in the Bible? Why is it worth taking the time to look at? And that'll give a lot of that background cultural stuff that'll help you going through. 
So, so again, my, my, my approach is I want to know what the main theme is. I'm going to look at the text to get to know it. I'm going to take advantage of, of, of tools that are going to help me do that. The third thing that I would say is, and this is related also to approach. Remember, my objective is to clearly explain the text, to persuade people, and, and to help them understand how to read the Bible on their own. So one of the things that's going to help me with my approach is, is I want to think, now, how am I going to communicate this? One of the questions, as we had the, the panel following the inductive uh, study resources that Neil gave to us, was, was kind of this idea of, 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 hey, I've got all this stuff that I've studied with the inductive method, and now it's like I got a sort of a dry bunch of information. And, and it is important to understand that, that and, and maybe you are, if your setting is a classroom, your presentation is going to be different than if your setting is a youth group, a young adult study, a, you know, a Sunday morning. And so I want, to, I want to look at things that are going to help me. How am I going to best communicate the things that I've learned? And one of the things that I enjoy doing is listening to people. And, and I, listen, I listen to them critically. Now, I, by critically, I don't mean with criticism. I don't mean I, like, if, like if you see like your, your church app is on my phone and you go, oh, man, Jim's just criticizing me. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to it critically in the sense that I'm listening like, like I know there was, a, there was something that that person was sitting, praying, seeking the Lord, trying to determine how to best communicate that. And is, is there anything in that that I think is going to be helpful in the way that I communicate this thought with our fellowship? And so I think it's, it's for me personally, it's valuable to be listening to other guys, seeing how it is that they're communicating. The truth's not going to change. If you see some hidden secret thing in a text that nobody else ever saw, it's probably not there. However, the way that's presented, other, you know, somebody presenting this like, oh, that, that really helps. I think that based on who I am, being able to communicate it that way is going to be helpful. So, so I will listen to a, a handful of different guys just about every week as I'm preparing. When I'm in the car... I'm, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to somebody study off an app. I'm just listening through it. I'll listen, you know, upwards 10 Bible studies on a text that I'm going to teach. Just that's, I like to do that. It helps me to be able to think about how do I get to best communicate that. Let me say one last thing. My time's up. So an objective, the objective is clearly present what this text says persuade people to come to Christ, commit to Christ, and do what the text is saying, and to, to present it in a way that helps them to be able to read their Bible and understand it on their own. The approach that I do, what is the main theme of this text? What resources are going to help me uncover that? And what resources are going to help me to express that or communicate that? Finally, I would say this. I depend upon three things. I depend, number one, on the power of the word. We believe in the power of the word, don't we? God's word is powerful, and, and we can depend upon that. God's word is going to accomplish a work in people's hearts when we communicate it to them. I also depend on what I would call the power of preaching. It's by design that God chose to take his perfect word and communicate it through imperfect vessels. And there's something powerful about that. 
The angels declared glory to God in the highest at the birth of Jesus. And in a sense, we could say the highest expression of God's glory is the incarnation. The highest expression of God's glory is not what Isaiah saw when he saw God on the throne with angels around him. The highest expression was God reducing himself into human form because that's where we could understand God. In the same way, the highest expression of the word of God is often found in the communication of God's word. We take what is perfect and it comes through an imperfect vessel and yet there's something powerful about that. God, God anoints that and God uses that. And so I can trust in the power of preaching. And then thirdly, I trust in the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. That we believe that as God's word is going forth, as it's being communicated, that God's working on the hearts of people. He's doing something within their hearts. So my objective to have them understand God's word, my objective to see them persuaded either to Christ or to grow in Christ or to live out those things, that objective is going to be met because of the power of the word, the power of preaching, and the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the individual as they're sitting there hearing it. So, Father, we just pray you would do that. Amen. 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 My wife just texted, how's it going? Do we have an answer? It's going okay? All right, I'll tell her. That was phenomenal. So thank you. Need more time. Next time, bro. No, no. He gets the 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 award of the the most tight, consistent. We this is our third one. That was just phenomenal. You nailed it in seventeen minutes. Hey, did I do seventeen? Yeah, you are like a man. Awesome. You get the award. I'll tell Christy. Anyway, we're gonna have a Q and A. So here's more we get to say. Um, and let's have Pilgrim and maybe Dave, would you mind coming up if he was a native? No, do you want to? Yeah, yeah. You're, come on, Dave. Everybody wants to hear from Dave. And how about Cody? Why don't you come up here? Um, Cody's going to do an outlining thing for us. Uh, so we've got 20 minutes till dinner break. Um, great chance, great chance to, um, got a couple questions. So run down that list of like the essentials resources, um, you know, you, you do your original language through your app, which yeah. is Olive Tree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, and survey, right? You mentioned a survey. Yeah. 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 And never underestimate. I mean, we talked about commentaries, but Bible dictionary, just yeah. so incredibly important as well. You know, yeah. so you want me to just walk through those again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just I like a list. Okay. Um, one of the great resources, I don't know if this is kind of being weird, but um, one of the, the great resources, the one that I mentioned, is, and there's a lot of different um, platforms that you can get it, it's called the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. And again, there's a lot of platforms. If you use Logos Bible software, it's there. Um, Logos is tremendous. It's also expensive. So if you're just getting started, um, it's, uh, you just click it. If, uh, if you're just getting started, a much cheaper way to do it is, is again, through uh, the Olive Tree. I think, it's, I think it's like $20 to get the Strongs embedded, and then it's another maybe 30 or 40 bucks to get that theological dictionary. And that's going to be, uh, and again, it's just you touch the word, you pull it up, you touch the, um, sorry, so if 
I touch the word therefore, it's an unrighteous, and then I touch look it up, and then I touch theological dictionary, and I've got all that resource. So the theological dictionary of the New Testament, it comes in like a 12 or 15 volume superset. You don't need that. Yeah, what they have is they have an abridged version. That that that's the one you want. Sometimes Kittle, Gerhard Kittle was the uh, so sometimes they refer to all as Kittles. They, they call them little Kittle. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Logos has both. It, it's on there, but uh, but the little was enough. There's some questions. Questions. Sermon prep. Sermon prep essentials. Um, thank you uh, very much for your guys' stuff. So, um, I may actually be a nerd. I actually do have the whole kill set. Yeah, so, yeah. Awesome. Um, it's, yeah. Um, on the back of this, uh, there was a list of books um, that, you know, were pretty helpful, especially with, like, you know, interpretation. Um, what... What books do you think would be kind of helpful in helping with sermon prep? I know there's some, like Wigdale has something, but like, what, what are some that you would recommend with that so that moving forward we have something to kind of get back to? If you're, if, if you're asking like what books to get a library started with, a couple of if you like to hold something in your hand, um, there's uh, the, the Believer's Bible Commentary by William McDonald. It's excellent. It's a single volume commentary. It's excellent. Um, the Bible Knowledge Commentary is also an excellent resource. That one's going to tend to be uh, a little bit, it's going to give you some historical stuff and um, original language stuff. That's a really good initial one. I don't think any library can, can go without having Matthew Henry in it. Um, it's a great, a great resource, a very, uh, like an application type commentary, devotional slash application type commentary is excellent. Who else? Uh, Those guys down there have probably yeah. things to say. Come on. What do you use, Kevin? Uh, so I actually use, um, not to answer that question directly, but... Um, I use Logos, I use Precept Austin, which is a, a website that's horribly organized. Uh, it's just disorganized, but it actually has on any text a, a huge amount, like a mountain of resources. So for me, sermon, I said it earlier today uh, with Mike, um, like sermon prep for me is, is not painting a picture. Um, it's more sculpting, so it's, it's building this big, block of marble and then chiseling away. So for me, it's it's just pulling from a, a bunch of different resources, technical commentaries, more devotional commentaries, current writers, dead writers. Um, I think we have to look at some of the church fathers on, on certain things. Definitely love to go to Matthew Henry. So I think just, you know, um, make sure that the person that you're referencing is trustworthy. I had a research assistant who actually um, sent me um, is he here today? Uh, he actually sent me uh, a little bit of some info, and uh, he had referenced a Jehovah's Witness website um, in his sermon um, help. So I was like, yeah, we can't use that in the sermon. So yeah, I tried to dig around a bunch of different places. 
I want to know where Pilgrim gets a research assistant. Yeah, yes. you're every person in this room's research yeah. assistant. Yeah, that's right. Enduring work. David Enduringword.com. No. Um, okay, so um, question. Oh, for those of you, oh, you guys are faster. Um, as you guys are serving, I know one of you said before, I don't know which one of you, I think it was one of the last time that you give your message, I think it was, um, that you give your, your message and you have a team that you work with. Is that something that you go ahead and do together? Like, do you just work on your sermon prep by yourself, or do you go ahead and have um, individuals come in with you? Um, and it's, you know, where do you guys see that? How do you guys work with that? Uh, that was Nick that, that uh, does that. Um, I Our church is quite small, uh, and so I, I don't have a resource of guys like that. There's some guys I'd like to bring into that, but uh, typically I do, I do all the studying uh, kind of solitary on my own in that. And... Uh, with a lot of listening to it. <laughs> I think we're, we're going to get to that. That's a good question that we're going to address uh, a little more in depth in our preaching mentorships and get more explanation to what Nick is doing. So um, I, I know, David, you can answer that then. Well, okay. For me, the collaborative thing sounds like a lot of fun. Because, I mean, I just love talking about the Bible and this and that. But there are some guys who, that's really how they think through things. And I'm not really like that. I mean, I, I, I can think through it with processing with other people. I can do it on my own. So, But if you know yourself well enough to where, like, no, I, I'll uncover a lot of things myself in discussions with people, then it's even more important to you find a way to do that. But not everybody's wired that way. So... Uh, so I would like a collaborative approach, but I don't feel like I need to do it. Uh, so make sure you collaborate with your, like if you are teaching, you have someone closing the teaching you know, with uh, a worship song, maybe it's youth ministry, or if you have a chance to share on uh, uh, Wednesday night. Um, make sure you collaborate with the worship leader. I do that weekly. We'll kind of sit down. He's one of our elders. We'll walk through. I kind of do share some of the the main ideas, the outline, and then the closing idea, just so that there's consistency. And we don't plan this out in a goofy way, but it's really good that you do that because it could land where, you know, hey, I'm preaching on the sovereignty of God and how, you know, he has done this work in salvation. And then if I don't talk to my worship leader and then he closes with, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus, it may not land so well. So just making sure that it's it's connected, I think, is the way we collaborate. Yeah. Yeah, so sermon prep essentials. Just practical questions. Anything for Jim? Say, so how much time do you guys put in uh, just reading the text, praying through just, just the Bible before you begin to go into commentaries and all the other helps? Yeah, that's good. How many times do you read through it? I mean, do you read through it over and over? Like some of the... You know, some of the ways I've been trained is read it, you know, five times. I mean, what, what do you guys do? Um, I, still, I, I like, um, I make sure that when you guys were at my church together, that read full, yeah. right empty, yeah. yeah. and I thought that was great. Read full, right empty, read full, right empty, and the idea is just keep reading and kind of get to get, um, you know, you're so good with that, like, 
you call it hinges and flow or whatever that like I don't think the way he thinks and communicates is always interesting. But um, but I think that you know finding what is in that text, I just you know, until I feel like I kind of got it and and um, you know different different um, texts require a different approach. Um, the you know it's going to when you have a, a smaller text, if you're going through, you know, Chuck would do, as David mentioned, Sunday night he'd do, you know, many chapters. You know, the old days he was doing like 10. He narrowed down, he was more, you know, two or three. As, yeah, when, when he talked about use, eating kale sometimes, Chuck just used, he blended the kale. He just juiced it. But then he had this Sunday morning that was like a topical exposition, and then he had a midweek Bible study where he'd do a couple of verses. You know, going through one of the epistles and and just a few verses and something like that. Like you can you can really chew on that for a long time and memorize it and get through it. So I just think for my approach is I, I I want to keep reading it until I can feel like I have a good grasp on what it says and I don't know I can't put a number on that. Sometimes longer than others. Um, and then also I add to that. You know I mentioned two things. I said you know the the approaches so that I understand what it's saying, but then also the approaches so I feel like I know how to communicate it. Um, you know, we're in First Corinthians on Sunday mornings as a church right now, and Paul deals with tough stuff. And, and I spend a lot of my time looking at the text over and over trying to determine how am I going to communicate this text. It's, you know, it, as much as what it's saying <laughs> is, like is an objective. how am I going to bring it out? Yeah. So. I, I probably spend more time just me and the text and working that out than I do in the commentaries. Normally, that would be the case. And for me, it's also the most intense time. I'm like most spent after that than I am after the commentary. I think something to add here, I just want to put my couple, two cents in here, is to be a preacher is you have to just love the process. So when you just said that, you know, listening to Jim and just hearing you now, just being in the text, like, that's what it means to be a Bible expositor, is over a course of time, the, the process, you, you relish the process of it all. That's what really um, makes, that makes you a good preacher. It's not even a, the, the, you know, what you say to other people is just this byproduct of you walking with Jesus, being with him in his word, just chewing on every bit of it and just wait, loving the process of it, you know, and, and the importance of that. Yeah, I'd say that um, I try to get into the text as early as possible. So when we're coming up on, a, you know, like for the following Sunday, I try to, I'm trying to get into that text, maybe Sunday night, usually Monday morning, I'm starting to read that next text and get it into my head and I've already read through it, but I just want to make sure I'm, it's fresh, I'm thinking about it, I'm processing it, I'm praying over it, uh, I'm coming at it again. I can't tell you how many times I've read a familiar section of Scripture, and then for some reason now that word stands out. You know, so you're not going to probably get it that first read through. You're gonna, there's things that are going to stand out as you read through over and over and over again. Uh, but just having, being able to, to love that process. I I got to be careful about reading the Bible too late at night. I'll stay up too late. You know, it just gets me lined up. And my wife's like, I'm glad you like this because uh, you got to do it for the rest of your life. But uh, it's it's one of those things that I just, I love. I, I, I 
get really excited about reading through it. Yeah, I, I start on Sunday nights because I need to quickly uh, get my mind off the sermon <laughs> of that day. Then the sooner, because every Monday morning I drive to the city limits and practice leaving. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so the sooner I can get into the next sermon and get jazzed about the next sermon, then I can it's, better, it's next better, better for me. There's always another Sunday, Lord willing. Okay, so we're getting. Um, on that note, I'm going to interject. I heard someone say once every one of us that, that teaches, we teach our sermon three times. We teach the one that we thought we were going to teach, the one that we actually taught, and the one we're teaching on the drive home. And the drive home. That's the best sermon is the drive home. It's awesome every time. Um, I get saved every I, I really, um, just a little, something else I just want to connect some dots with. Really loved uh, Jim, the, the words. They're just word, lots of words. And then pausing to get the big idea of the and, and then someone else said that, you know, um, that like sculpting, but just that idea, I, I'm connecting a dot with what Neil shared about just the importance of prayer and taking a step back. So adding to the sermon prep and all the, everything we've talked about, part of sermon prep is enough margin and not cramming for a quiz and making sure you have ample margin in your life to pray and to take a step back and get the true thought of God from the text as part of your preparation. And, um, yeah, so, and we need margin, you know, for that. And we need to, and that, that has nothing to do with an app or uh, Precept Austin. It, it has everything to do about quietness and you and Jesus, right? Really good stuff. So, you gotta say one more yeah. thing, that? and that is um, that the you know approaching the text and getting to know the text and letting the text speak and finding out what's there, <clears throat> and diving into that, and then um, is is that time to then sit down and say, okay, uh, Neil mentioned that the, the, he had seven things. I can't remember all seven of them, but I remember the. the the main ones, um, but he talked about the, the need for for an intro and the need for a close, something that can exhort the people and take them home. And, and it's it's when we give the ample time to the text itself, then we're able to sit back and say, okay, now how do I introduce this mm-hmm. one? And then what do I drop in somebody's hands? And, and that's the thing where, where his speaker's talking about just before the Lord. And, 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 and again, how you do that is how you do that. But for me, walking, driving, talking it out, talking the talking the sermon through with the Lord, like, does this make sense? Like, should I do this? Like, that's the way I do it. You, you know, sitting alone quietly in a room with that, you know, I will go insane. Yeah. Like, I'll have that react. I don't function well like that. I need to be moving. Yeah, I carry around like a yellow pad. I've done this for years. I drive with it, and I. And if you see some guy, you know, just crank off, you know, into the nearest parking lot, that's me because I'm like thinking through and I'm like, I got to write that down, you know, and, and I just carry off through the week. I just carry a, a notepad with me and I'm constantly processing the whole thing. And that's just how I do it, you know, and um, we have time for one more question because we're approaching six. 
Um, I just wanted to know if you guys try to get your message done at a certain day in the week, and then that way you can put it down and then come back to it, or do you kind of go right till Saturday night, get up, preach it, and... <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit different. Um, a lot of pastors take Monday off. I um, work Mondays on the sermon. I get the outline done in the morning, pray through it, walk through it, um, read a lot of uh, the text and commentaries, and kind of have a, a general, like, big sculpture um, where I feel good about it by the end. If that's a long Monday, that's when I get up early, I stay up late, I'm usually white by the end of Monday. Um, for me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings, um, I'm spending time in the text, I'm marinating, I'm, I'm reading, I read from the ESV, the NIV, um, King James, New King James, so I'll try to read different things, but basically by Thursday, um, I've sent my notes, I'm, I'm feeling good about it, I've sent my notes to the media person. Um, Saturday night, I'll revisit and practice, look through the intro and the, and the closing, um, and I do a pastor's challenge at the end every week, which is usually, used to be try harder, do better. Now it's just look to Jesus, have faith. Um, and so for me, yeah, um, my family has felt the difference. So Friday, Saturday, there's a lot more margin for us to spend time as a family and not be stressed out. I don't do the Saturday night, you know, or Sunday morning, pray that there's stoplights so that, you know, I can get the last minute ideas in. Um, for me, getting it done earlier in the week is, is the best. So I'm done by Thursday. I think it sort of depends on where you're at and the season of life that you're in. Uh, so when we were planting, the, I mean, we're in the process of planting the church, but when we're in the beginning of planting the church, I've only been able to be on staff at the church for the last six months. So um, when we were in that season, my work schedule kind of dictated everything. So I'm like listening to messages while I'm driving in order to try to prepare. I'm reading as much as I can when I can. Uh, I have a break. I'm writing notes, that kind of stuff. And then what I did for a long time was I would, uh, I'd get up at about four in the morning on Sundays and write the message and then deliver the message on Sundays. So that, that was kind of my schedule. Uh, and then when I was able to go on staff, then I switched everything to where it was like, all right, I'm going to start on Monday and I'm going to actually write a, you know, get a, a solid structure to this thing. And then I, I'm shooting to be done by Wednesday or Thursday with a, a, a written outline and, and have that completely done. And then I wake up early on Sundays and revisit it and make sure it's nice and stupid. I know where that question got asked. <laughs> um, yeah, I try to finish by Friday. <laughs> we, we have a Saturday night service that starts at 6, so I try to be done by 6. Sometimes it's different at 8 the next morning, and then it's different at 9.30, and then it's different again at 11. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I should be better at that. Is there one that's consistently better? Hey, and, you know, and sometimes it's, it's, diff drive home. it's different from week to week, you know what I mean? Sure. And, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's doing the work, it's, it's following the steps, it's applying... You know, some of the things we're talking about and making sure that that's all getting there. And um, I think that's the important part of it. Um, but I know in my life it looks different from week to week, whether I'm traveling or not traveling. And, and, um, and even in seasons of life, even though I am on staff, it's, I, these days I, I, I type, I've always typed out my messages for years and went to the pulpit with, you know, you know, five pages or whatever and outlines and lately I still do that but I've just found this joy in waking up early and writing
writing out my sermon by hand in my own penmanship mm. on a piece of paper in my outline. Yeah. And I've got my printed one sitting to the side if I really feel like I'm like, I don't know, fuzzy or something. But I've really, it's been, a, it's been the last year and a half I've been doing that. I've enjoyed it. Okay, so we've got dinner break. You get one hour. <laughs> so there's lots of fast food. Um, so this is a time just to get something to eat. We'll be back here. We want to shoot for seven-ish. Um, uh, you know, we're not going to start right at seven, but please come back at seven. We'd really appreciate it. We'll just stay on track. And so you've been given a, a, a map with some options for you. And so we'll see you back uh, in an hour. So enjoy. Let's pray for the food. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for meeting us here. And Lord, we just pray that you bless our fellowship and bless the food that we're about to eat. In Jesus' name, and everyone who greets us, amen. amen. Well, thanks for listening, and I really hope that you enjoyed it. Something that stood out to me as I was um, listening to that panel was just kind of the remarkable way that each of those guys is so distinct and so different in their preparation process, um, and the, just the Lord has this individual plan um, for each one of them. So hopefully, as you listen in on that, that it kind of inspires you and spurs you on um, towards uh, more diligent study and preparation on your own, but then also realizing that God made them in certain ways and he made you in certain ways as well. So really lean into um, the best version of who God made you to be. Okay, and before I leave, um, I'm going to allow Pastor Chris McCarrick Um, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Calvary Chapel, to give you one more and a personal invite to come to our training weekend in September. Hey guys, this is Pastor Chris McCarrick, and I'd love to have you come out to uh, the Expositors Collective, which is being held in Howell, New Jersey, at Cornerstone Calvary Chapel on September 20th and 21st of this year. And we would, we would really be excited to see you come. So you can register at expositorscollective.com. And, uh, and we, we really look forward to meeting with you. So love to see you there.